with internet purchasing, virtual consultations, and confusing pricing options, we want to offer you Reprieve. We want to answer your tough questions and demystify hearing aids for you. We are offering you a unique opportunity now through March 15th. Just schedule a free hearing test and bring questions with you. We would be honored to share some insight into the hearing aid world with you. If you decide that new technology is what you need, we will discount your new purchase by 10%. You can save up to $650 on a new hearing aid purchase. It's time for clarity. You deserve it. EBA Hearing and Sound, 674-8920. That's 674-8920. Service. People talk about it. Hammer Chevrolet makes it happen, Troy Baker. Bob, the sale is only the beginning of our commitment to you. We'll help you with all your financing and contract needs and find you the best deal possible. If your factory warranty is getting close to expiring or you just want some extra peace of mind for your vehicle, we offer a wide variety of service contracts that meet your needs. No high pressure. We are here to help. Service after the sale, it's only the beginning. They've been doing it for nearly 85 years. Hammer Chevrolet, 107 East Houser, online, hammerchevy.com. Here's what people are saying about wrap plumbing and heating in Sheridan. Very professional, friendly, and fast. Wrap plumbing and heating did a great job within our budget. We appreciated their fast callback time, and they left no mess behind. Thank you, Wrap Plumbing and Heating, for your service, and I want to say that we're proud to recommend you to others. This is Dan Rapp of Wrap Plumbing and Heating. My crew and I work hard to exceed your expectations on all your plumbing needs. We pride ourselves on top quality workmanship and thank all of our customers for their recommendations. I like to say, if you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. That's right. You heard it here. If you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. Need a plumber? Call Rap Plumbing and Heating. They'll get back to you, give you a free estimate, and have it done as quickly as possible. Rap Plumbing and Heating, 752-1844. 752-1844. Hi, this is Sheridan College Rodeo athlete Devin Dixon inviting you to our 12th annual Sheridan College Rodeo Banquet Saturday, March 5th at Sheridan College Golden Dome. Doors open at 5.30, dinner is at 6.30. Silent auction and live auctions and music by Tris Munsick. Tickets are only $75 but have to be purchased in advance. This is our biggest scholarship fundraiser. Call the Sheridan College Foundation at 675-0702 for tickets. Presented in part by Sheridan Wild Rodeo Gold Buckle Club and Prime Rate Motors. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Brought to you by Eliason Financial. With me this morning from the Sheridan Police Department is Captain Tom Ringley and Lieutenant James Hill. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Now, uh, how have things been down at the department? The snow's starting to kind of, uh, well, hopefully it'll stay away yeah, for a little bit. <laughs> things are good. You know, the, the street department's done a fantastic job of keeping the, the roads as clear as possible, as soon as possible. <clears throat> While we're on the topic, um, we'd like to remind people who park downtown at night, that those streets need to be cleared from 2 to 6 so we can do stuff like clear the snow and, and, and keep the uh, streets clean. So um, those individuals who, who say, you know what, I had too much to drink, I'm just going to walk sure. the five miles home, where should they park if uh, they think that might happen? We, we certainly do appreciate people not 
driving while intoxicated. There are several uh, city-owned public lots downtown, one of which is by the old Cook Ford building, um, and the other one's um, across uh, uh, Val Vista from Java Moon. And there's a small public lot. So there are public parking lots where one can you know, walk a couple blocks further and and uh, be assured that they, uh, their car won't get ticketed or towed. And there's plenty of spaces in those things. Uh, I don't know how it looks, you know, around 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, but uh, or or how it would look, say, at uh, 3:30 on a Friday. But uh, every time I've gone there, there's usually a spot I can find and uh, lots of space. And uh, me and my wife park in one of those lots all the time because I feel like you just put there and you can get to just about anywhere downtown. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Now, today we're going to discuss the Sheridan Police Department Intimate Partner Violence Prevention Program. This is a bit of a, a sensitive subject, but uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. What exactly is the definition of intimate partner violence? Uh, intimate partner violence is a term that uh, we use that uh, talks about some acts of violence that uh, come under the umbrella of domestic violence overall. And what we mean specifically by intimate partner violence is um, the violence between two people who have an intimate relationship. And whether that's a current relationship or a past relationship, it's the uh, the violence and the abuse that happens in in that context between those two people. Domestic violence um, is a legal term in Wyoming. We have certain definitions of what it is, and it encompasses anybody who has a, a domicile, people you live with. That's the domestic. That's the root of that. And, and so the law covers all that. Specifically, when we talk about intimate partner violence, it's just to be a more uh, precise term to just kind of talk about people who are in a relationship, uh, generally two adults. And how often do we see this kind of violence here in Sheridan? Um, we see it regularly. Um, I've got stats that I wrote down. I got to remember which uh, page on here I put it on. But, <laughs> uh, I think we responded to off the top of my head. I think it was ninety incidents that we classified as intimate partner violence. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there was violence 90 times in Sheridan, but it means that there was something uh, related to that issue, either as a violent act or a dispute or something like that. So we had 90 incidents last year, which actually is down. Um, I think the high when I first started kind of tracking this, when we started looking at this as a department, was over 170. Wow. So incidents have gone down a little bit um, since since that high number, um, but still even 90 um, is quite a bit. I mean, that's almost two a week. Yeah. And, and did we see an increase, uh, during lockdown when, uh, everything got shut down and people were trying to isolate in their home? Did we see an increase? It'd say in 2020, I, I think over if 19? you talk to different organizations, you'll get different answers. Um, because for the police department, we didn't see an increase in reported incidents, but obviously we know that, uh, reported incidents and actual incidents are two different things. Yeah. And I know from my conversations with Advocacy and Resource Center and some of the social agencies, they believe that there was an increase and they delivered more services during uh, the pandemic than what they had before. And uh, there is always that gap between incidents that occur or people who are reaching out for help and then ones that are officially reported to law enforcement and then we take action on. And officially, you can only keep track of the ones that uh, you deal with as a department. So the ones that are reported. 
Sure, that's that's what okay. we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. Now, the use of drugs and alcohol are no excuse for any type of this behavior. Uh, there are nonviolent alcoholics and drug users, but how often have your officers reported the use of drugs and alcohol being involved in these situations? Um, for any violent crime in in Sheridan, it's um, over over the last uh, six years or so, it's sixty seven to seventy five percent of the time. Um, more often than not, and more yeah. often than not, it's alcohol. Uh, that number is going up as um, the amount of alcohol that we sell um, goes up, and that's not that's not a condemnation. If people live here, it shows that we're selling more alcohol because we're getting more people in town. Yeah, uh, the, the town's growing, or we have a lot more guests during the, the uh, tourist season. Yeah. Um, so, and that's just not in regards to domestic violence or intimate partner violence. It's uh, vo- crime that involves. Uh, Violence in general. And guys stepping outside to have some fisticuffs to, yeah. uh, you know, an altercation at home. Yeah. Uh, every, and everything in between. Yeah. And 100% of our interference with peace officers is, involves alcohol. Yeah. And that hasn't changed for years. Um, as far as drugs go, it's, it's, it's almost always a mix. We rarely have someone that is just um, under the influence of a controlled substance. It's, if they are, there's also some alcohol involved. Yeah, usually the combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I, I don't know uh, much about the meth situation uh, within Sheridan, but that does uh, tend to make people uh, more likely to commit acts of violence uh, or, or not. Am, am it, I it wrong certain, in that? It certainly would uh, reduce any inhibition. As yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's proven to lead to erratic behavior. Um Behavior and decisions. Yeah, and, and I'm sure some people don't call because they don't want, you know, well, my spouse or partner sure. was wired up, and so now we're going to get charged with having this too, so they just stay quiet. That, that's it. absolutely correct, and we, we would, if there's a, a victim of intimate partner violence, the odds of us charging them with anything is are extremely low. They're, yeah. We are... We have a, a lot of discretion in how we handle each incident, um, whether it's a, a traffic stop or a violent crime, and we run victim-oriented investigations. And I think I think that's a misconception uh, amongst a lot of people. You know, I don't want to go to jail too, so I'm not going to, you know, call the officers and and talk about how they hit me. Right. Or, you know, because then we're all going to jail, and I don't know what to do with the kids. And and, and that's understandable because we we have to put ourselves in, in the mind of a victim. Um, there, it's rarely a first time when, when we get called a first incident of violence and they often feel trapped and and helpless. Yeah. And by that time they've been under this spell or manipulation for so long. It's, it's tough to get out of that. Now, now how common is IPV? in the nation as a whole that we know of? I mean, are we above average? Are we below average? Um, I know that for here within Sheridan, right, it's a one of our more common violent crimes that we investigate. Overall, the Department of Justice estimates it's about 15% of reported violent crime is wow. intimate partner violence, um, which is high. Um, it's, it's a very common thing. Um, a stat that I find... Uh, horrifying, and I use a lot to show the, the problem and its scope, is that the leading cause of death for pregnant women in America is homicide. 
Which just blows my mind. Uh, yeah. When you sent me that information this morning, I saw that, and it just, A, it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, it it surprised me a little bit. Uh, you know, pregnancy, although very common, obviously, is is dangerous. And, and to know that homicide mm-hmm. is the leading cause of death. For pregnant women in the United States of all places, you know, you, you we tend to think that we're above this. Like we were talking about just before we came on the show, uh, we tend to think that with all this technology and everything around us, we're a little more civilized than we used to be. But to learn that type of information is a bit of a, a reality check and one that I, I don't think a lot of people know. And, and victims of... Uh, IPV are often brainwashed uh, or so afraid of their abuser that they choose to stay silent. What can an officer do in that situation to help them feel safe enough to talk? Uh, a lot of it is is trying to, you know, if you're talking about the initial response when an officer first arrives on scene, you know, you, you need to make sure, just like responding to any scene, whether it's a car crash or an incident of intimate partner violence, you want to make the area safe, make the scene safe, make the people feel safe. Um, and so you take steps to do that. You make sure you separate those involved. You make sure their basic you know, needs are kind of set and get them in a safe location and feeling like they're in a good space where they can share and, and give you the information that uh, will help you understand what happened. Um, so giving them that feeling of safety and also trying to restore a feeling of control. Um, you know, one of the things I always try to do if I'm interviewing a victim on scene is I'll try and ask them a question and give them a chance to say, you know, do you want to sit down here or here? Anything that you can do to try to let them know that they're safe and that they have control and some agency and that I think is helpful to them and helpful to your investigation as you're going on. Um, In a broader context, what is really important is letting people know that they are not... um, trap there's options um that there's support there's other ways of um getting help out there there's other ways to survive you know provide for your kids to get child care for money all, all those things are i think a stressor on everybody you know we kind of hear a lot of talk about that right now people feeling stress about child care and housing and all those things are broader yeah. issues and if you're in a situation of a, a violent relationship it's hard to try and break out of that if you're feeling, you know, not only the stress that everybody in general feels about those sort of, sort of questions, but you're feeling all that kind of compounded by violence and the abuse and all of that. And so um, anything that we can do to try and give people resources and point them to it, to other people who are out there, because Sheridan is full of caring people who want to support and help and would do what they can to end violence and get people in a healthier relationship. And and climbing that mountain of, of regaining control after an abuser has essentially stripped you of of everything, finances and and your time, um, contact with family. I mean, it is a manipulation that can take years. And by the time everything really gets going, you know, some of these victims feel like there's nothing I can do. Even even if I talk with Lieutenant Hill and the safety of his office. My abuser is going to find out, and he's going to, or she is going to get me. And and it's just, it is a form of brainwashing that is just heartbreaking. Um, 
I want folks to understand that I am not blaming the victim in any way here. The abuser is the one manipulating their victim. But honestly, how frustrating can it be when a victim will not take steps and you respond to them time and time and time again? Well, and that's one of the things that we've looked at uh, and we're trying to address is to keep that cycle. What we can do is an official response to make sure that that it doesn't happen time and time again. Um, we understand that there is a cycle uh, that occurs in abusive relationships. There's often uh, some buildup, some tension, then the conflict, then a series of apologies and kind of a, a resetting of the relationship until tension builds again. And there are plenty of um, legitimate reasons, like we said, why people would stay in these relationships. They feel like they need the financial support. They need their children to be cared for. Um and there's a reason they got into the relationship in the first place, right? They were attracted to that yeah. person. There's some sort of emotional bond that's there. And um, so the instance of violence are sometimes uh, from the outside. It's like, how could you look past that? But we've all been in relationships and, and there's everybody has faults and stuff that you forgive your partner of and, yeah. and continue on in that relationship. And so it is certainly something that is difficult uh, to try and end. And we try and work with cooperation with the people involved in the relationship and then with other agencies and, and things like that. And our message, especially before the violence has occurred that we know of, if it hasn't been reported to us, we really just try to push to both people involved in the relationship that there are resources out there. There's ways you can address uh, things that might be adding to that tension that is causing the, the cycle to continue. You know, if that's financial, you know, employment issues child care issues, uh, substance abuse issues, whatever, we would like to show you ways that you can find that help. And so one of the ways we do it, and it seems kind of um, cheesy is not the right word, but I can't think of something better right now to hand people a piece of paper when they're in some sort of crisis and that. But we do, we have a, a pamphlet that we've developed called the Resources for Relationships pamphlet. And we talk a little bit about there about conflict resolution and some kind of just general good dealing with people advice. Uh, but it also importantly kind of has on there. If you have, if you need to improve this, here's some agencies that can help you. If you want to address this, here's some agencies that can help you. And so uh, I've called and partnered with these different groups to get their numbers and their information and get on there so that you can look on there and have kind of a one place to look and say, okay, if I need help with employment, here's some places I can go. I can call you know, Sheridan Community Connections and get hooked up with another agency to help me uh, find daycare or here's how I can address my substance abuse issues. So we're trying to, to just let people know and conveniently say, here's some ways that you can maybe get some help to address these uh, causes of the tension. Yeah, yeah. And and these are just some of the strategies, and we're going to talk about some more when we come back. Um, when we return. We're going to continue with the Sheridan Police Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM, Sheridan. No mutanile, no mutanile, the Wyo Theater welcomes Nobuntu to the stage 7.30 p.m. Friday, March 4th. This female a cappella quintet from Zimbabwe represents a new generation of young African women singers and has drawn international acclaim for their cultural preservation through song. Nobuntu, March 4th. Get your tickets now at the Wyo Theater box office or online at wyotheater.com. 
Exciting things are happening at Brackleton's Fine Food and Spirits as we roll out our latest new menus. Off of our big plate menu, let's highlight the way Brackleton's serves up a pork chop dinner. French pork chops farm to fork from Young's Farm near Parkman, grilled and served with mashed potatoes, haricot burnt, and a fig mustard reduction. Brackleton's recommended wine pairing is as Oregon Pinot Gris, where good food is good mood at Brackleton's Fine Food and Spirits, downtown Sheridan. The baseball lockout has happened. We're all sad here. James Timberlake, what is up? That's my cousin Mallory. I am on the show this week, and I am so excited. We're still going to talk about all things sports, but we're going to break into a bunch of tangents that are fun for everybody. Yeah, I think being on the show is going to help explain to the audience what is going on because you do a bad job of explaining. Fair enough. All right, James. The Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts or on sharedomedia.com and podcastwyoming.com. When the roads turn bad, you find out in a hurry if you need new tires. Hi, this is Chris Hayden with Hammer Chevrolet. Come in and let's get a new set of tires on your vehicle and get you safely on your way. We carry brand names like BF Goodrich, Bridgestone, Continental, Dunlop, Firestone, Goodyear, Michelin, Pirelli, Uniroyal, and more. With our price match guarantee, you never have to wait for a tire sale. Provide us with a better price at the time of purchase, and we'll match it. Find a better price within 30 days of the purchase, and we'll refund the difference. You can't beat our tire price match guarantee from Hammer Chevrolet. Online at HammerChevy.com. Hi, this is Sheridan College Rodeo athlete Devin Dixon, inviting you to our 12th annual Sheridan College Rodeo Banquet, Saturday, March 5th at Sheridan College Golden Dome. Doors open at 5.30, dinner is at 6.30. Silent auction and live auctions and music by Tris Munsick. Tickets are only $75 but have to be purchased in advance. This is our biggest scholarship fundraiser. Call the Sharon College Foundation at 675-0702 for tickets. Presented in part by First Northern Bank and Wilcox Abstract and Title. Would you look at the time? It's tax time. You already know H&R Block does taxes, but here's what you may not know when you file with H&R Block, like how you can get expert help in person or virtually. Plus, our tax pros average 10 years of experience. You can even request to work with the same tax pro every year, and your biggest possible refund is always guaranteed. No one offers more ways to help with your taxes than H&R Block. At H&R Block, help is here. Hi, this is Barb from your family-owned H&R Block in Sheridan. Visit us today. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. With me this morning is Captain Tom Ringley and Lieutenant James Hill from the Sheridan Police Department. Before the break, we were speaking about intimate partner violence, or IPV, and the steps that the Sheridan Police Department have been developing to try and stay ahead of these violent actions. And... and and we talked about the pamphlet, LT. Uh, what other strategies do the Sheridan Police Department employ to try and prevent the violence from happening in the first place? Uh, a lot of that is, you know, we do that, like we said, with the pamphlet, the messaging, uh, letting them know some different other resources and things that, that they can do um, and trying to use just kind of our conflict resolution officers on scene and, and dealing with that. Um when we respond to incidents where violence has occurred, um, you know, one of the most important steps we can do as a, as a police department is law enforcement. And so our job is to conduct thorough, professional, compassionate investigations um, where we take these incidents seriously and we look into them. Um, the mantra we kind of use as a shorthand in our training is treat 
incidents of domestic violence, more like an attempted homicide than like a bar fight. We know the consequences are serious for these things, and we know how violence can escalate, and uh, we do not want to see it get to that point. And so we want to take them seriously and be thorough, gather good evidence, use good interview techniques, do our job as we should as police officers, and then make the correct enforcement decision, whatever that might be, of uh, trying to get what we call the, the primary aggressor uh, and arrest them for, for whatever offense we ha- we can show happened. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing we do is show that we take it seriously and that also we have compassion. We, we care for the people involved. Um, after the arrest is made, the strategies that we uh, we didn't come up with this, but we've adopted from other agencies that have shown that uh, based on evidence and research is effective is just some face-to-face messaging. So the victim, we put them in touch with the Advocacy and Resource Center here in Sheridan. The advocates will reach out and let the victim know how they're supported, how the criminal justice system works out, those sorts of things. Um, And then the detective may or may not be assigned to do some follow-up with that victim, gather some more information, let them know what's going on, that sort of thing. Uh, A piece of that that is often not addressed in law enforcement was the offender. After the arrest was made, it was kind of done. And something that some agencies started doing uh, based on uh, gun violence research actually is where it started. But uh, some agencies in North Carolina began using it for intimate partner violence. And we've adapted it is giving a deterrence message to the offender, letting them know, basically, uh, usually a detective will go up and while the person's still incarcerated, we're not there to talk about the crime or the incident that happened, but just domestic violence or intimate partner violence in general, violence in in the city in general, and say, uh, we take it very seriously as a police department. Our goal is to lower and prevent violence. If we have probable cause to know that you're committed a violent crime in our city, we will take you to jail. We we, We are here to make sure that that happens. That is our fundamental duty as police officers to keep people safe and prevent crime. And so we give that message to them face to face and let them know that we also let them know that, um, the community, the city of Sheridan does not tolerate violence. We are not a city that is going to allow you to harm other people, to strangle other people, to do these things. And so the city will not tolerate that. And we will take, take these steps officially to make sure that that doesn't happen. And we've shown that, that those steps and that messaging, um, actually can be effective and can lower uh, regular incidents. In general, we know that any official involvement, um, arrests and things like that uh, decrease the likelihood of further abuse of an aggravated assault or a homicide or things like that occurring. Um, it's very difficult and it feels scary for the victim often when they see that official action or the arrest and they're scared about some of the consequences and, and fear retaliation. Um, there is a moment in time where it is dangerous for for the victim uh, after that happens. But we know that those official actions and, and communicating that that violence is not tolerated and that there are going to be consequences. You can't get away with it um, influences the behavior because violence is a rational act. As odd as that sounds, especially in this in this scenario, the intimate partner violence is used rationally by the offender to gain or maintain control. It is not the idea of them just blowing off their top and going crazy. They're using it in a way to maintain or gain control of that relationship. So if we can show them. Calculated move. Exactly. It's something that they choose to do. And because it's a choice, we can influence it. That's the whole, whole 
realm of prevention is, right? Someone's making a choice. Let's influence them to make a better choice. Yeah. And letting them know there are consequences to it, and they're going to be negative for you if you choose to be violent. Captain, all these great new programs, these this the adaptation of studies done in another offense to to help victims. You've been on the force for a long time. Sure. Uh, I know how you feel about this kind of stuff, but have you seen policing change throughout your career and become more sensitive to victims of domestic violence, or have you seen the policing of IPV situations change at all through the years? statutes have changed, some for the better and some for the worse. For instance, in roughly 2000. 12 or so, Wyoming adopted a strangulation of a household member statute, um, which is, as Lieutenant Hill said, um, domestic violence is you know, on, on the way to homicide. Well, strangulation is, a, is an overt act that, that could That's attempted homicide, um, yeah. So, so that, that, that's been a, been a major change. There's been a, a, uh, an adjustment to the actual domestic violence uh, statute um, to where there's, it's now separated into the domestic battery and unlawful contact. So a, a push when that back 2000, back when I was new, if, if, as wrong as it is, a push was um, domestic violence. Standing in a doorway and hindering someone's movement fell under the domestic violence statute. Now all that's moved into another category, and there's the, the, the uh, domestic battery, which causes um, injury. So the, the uh, statute's been um, categorized or div- divided and um, a lot, but a lot of it is awareness. Um, a lot of it's in how we communicate with people. Um, we've always been good communicators. There's, there's never been jackbooted thugs in Sheridan, despite what right. yeah. uh, politicians would like to say. But we've really much, really enhanced our communication skills. And also, we try to develop relationships with the community as a whole. So when we are called, people feel comfortable talking. They to know what they're that's, forced. That's yeah. why we have a strong presence on Facebook, and we're doing coffee with a cop, and we're at Third Thursday. So people get to know us, and so that they do feel comfortable approaching us as early as possible, but before there's a traumatic event. So we can use the relationships to intervene and get them pointed towards the resources that Lieutenant Hill talked about. And this this fantastic act of the community policing, uh, that is something that I've absolutely loved to learn about as I've gotten to know the Sheridan Police Force, um, the ideas yeah, uh, behind it. Community it just... policing is not being liked. It's the community and law enforcement partnering together to prevent and solve crime. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think people get it mixed up. Being liked is kind of this low-hanging fruit. We can go and be nice right. people all day. But there's a difference in people thinking we're nice and people think we're competent and having confidence in our ability to, to serve the community. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of people need kind of that ironing out of their shirt where it's like they're not here to be your buddy. They're here to yeah. be your officer. They're here to be your uh, – to serve and protect. That, that, that's if you establish a hierarchy of needs, that, that's the base need Yeah, is to keep the community safe. Now – how closely does the Sheridan Police Department uh, work with groups like the Advocacy and Resource Center? And I, I only have a couple minutes left, but uh, how close are we working with them? Uh, we communicate with them on a on a regular basis. We have the um, 
whenever we have victims of crime, any crime, not just uh, domestic violence or intimate partner violence, but we have crimes, uh, they get what is called a Wyoming victim of crime uh, slip. And it's a informational thing that uh, we send copies to uh, the victim and also to the Advocacy and Resource Center so that they're aware of what's happened and it includes contact information. We are also active, myself and other officers are active on different community uh, boards, meetings, uh, those things like that. I just attended a uh, meeting with the VA dealing with suicide prevention and its intersection with intimate partner violence and make, talking with different groups involved, the VOA, the VA Advocacy and Resource Center, um, and, and others talking about what it is that each of our organization does and how can we make sure that the people who need those services can reach those services. And I think we do an okay job of, of communicating with um, other agencies and, and, and other services and knowing what's out there. Uh, the hard part is always getting the people who have a need connected with the, the people who can meet that need. Yeah, our, our closest relationship, once we get people pointed the right way, is with uh, County Attorney Donna Bennett. And the follow-up we do in, as we move uh, through an investigation into, into prosecution. And we, we meet with uh, County Attorney Bennett's office in person every other Friday, and we specifically discuss individual cases and what we need to do to get everything they need for a successful prosecution. I'll tell you, it is a tough situation. Uh, Captain, Lieutenant, thank you both so much for coming in and speaking with us about this sensitive subject and, and taking it so seriously down there at the department. Thank you. Thanks, Floyd. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want folks to know this number. You can list it in your phone as a relative, an aunt, or an uncle. 307-672-3222. That's the number to the Advocacy and Resource Center Crisis Line. When we return, we're going to speak with the Johnson County Commission Chairman, Bill Novotny, who is currently in Cheyenne. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM. Sheridan. This is Patrick Sucker with Harker Mellinger, LLC. Since 1983, Harker Mellinger has been the leading accounting firm in Sheridan. We are here to help you succeed in your business and provide services which are customized to meet your financial needs and allow you to spend more time managing your business. Call today to see how we can provide you with cost-effective solutions. Harker Mellinger, 672-0785 in Sheridan. to our 12th annual Sheridan College Rodeo Banquet, Saturday, March 5th at Sheridan College Golden Dome. Doors open at 5.30, dinner is at 6.30. Silent auction and live auctions and music by Tris Monsick. Tickets are only $75 but have to be purchased in advance. This is our biggest scholarship fundraiser. Call the Sheridan College Foundation at 675-0702 for tickets. Presented in part by King Celery Ropes and Museum and Zawada Recycling and Steel. Charitable giving is often an important part of your future. This is Jeff Tomlinson, financial advisor and branch manager at Stiefel. I can help you develop a charitable giving strategy designed to potentially maximize your tax benefits and reduce your record-keeping burdens. Call us at 307-672-3434 to discuss how a Stiefel donor-advised fund can help create a positive impact on the causes you care most about. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. When you're in pain, it causes stress. 
Even minor pain is telling you something's not right, and early detection is the best path to relief. Make a call to Dr. Colin Hardy of Atlas Chiropractic. Not only can he alleviate your pain, but also reduce physical stress and boost and maintain proper immune system function. Chiropractic is a natural immune booster. With each adjustment, they're not only supporting the central nervous system through proper spinal function and alignment, but also stimulating and strengthening the immune system by removing nerve interferences and stressors that can drag it down. Call 307-672-6000 for details and scheduling with the top chiropractic clinic in Sheridan, Atlas Chiropractic. This is Dr. Colin Hardy with Atlas Chiropractic. Be sure to ask us about our new patient specials. Take the first step to a better you. Call 672-6000. That's 672-6000. Your healing begins when you pick up the phone. You bagged your trophy elk. Now imagine having its ivory handcrafted into the perfect piece of jewelry. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, their in-house jewelers can take your memory of the big hunt and preserve it into fine pieces of jewelry to last generations. Using your imagination, the skilled jewelers at Legacy Diamond and Gems can create something truly exceptional. Visit them at 11 North Main Street or online at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Hurry in now. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. And joining me over the phone this morning is Johnson County Commission Chairman Bill Novotny. He is currently in Cheyenne, attending the Wyoming Legislature. Good morning, Chairman. Hey, good morning, Floyd. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, sir. And I want to publicly thank you. You have played a vital role in helping to keep me informed and to bring information to the public. And you've also brought issues to my attention, pointing me in the right direction to find information. And of course, you are fantastic at clarifying processes and procedures. So I want to publicly thank you. And and I do want people to know, Senators Dave Kinski and Bo Beitman, as well as Representatives Barry Crago, Cyrus Western, they've all been very responsive and cooperative during this very busy and somewhat hectic year in the legislature. And, uh, Chairman, before we get into the happenings on the state level, I did want to ask, the Johnson County Commission spent the majority of time discussing the agreement between the county and the Wyoming Behavioral Institute for Title 25 services provided to the county. This was tabled. Can you tell us why? You know, Floyd, um, the concern is that Wyoming Behavioral Institute is trying to lock us into a rate uh, when we have to send uh, an individual who's in a mental health emergency uh, to their facility. And we're we're just concerned about the the costs. We feel there needs to be just a little more transparency on their end. And since uh, they have a contract with the state of Wyoming, we would like to know what the state rate is uh, and, and just make sure that what the counties are being asked to pay is the same as what the state pays when they have an individual who's in crisis. And, you know, to date, we have really had no success uh, if we have an individual who's having a crisis in getting somebody into the state hospital in Evanston. And so this is really one of our only options uh, when somebody's having a mental health emergency of getting them help. So um, we're going to continue to use that facility uh, and I am really very excited about the work that 
Sheridan Memorial Hospital is doing uh, in the very preliminary stages of planning uh, a behavioral um, health facility uh, and the potential that a crisis stabilization unit might be uh, incorporated into that. You know, a couple years ago, Johnson County and, and Sheridan County talked with uh, Northern Wyoming Mental Health about the possibility of building uh, a crisis stabilization unit where um, if somebody's in crisis, this is a place where we could get them to where they could, maybe it's they've come off of their meds or they're, they're just dealing with a really uh, difficult situation so that we could get them help very quickly. Uh, it would have been located in Sheridan. Uh, unfortunately, we just couldn't find any funding for it. Um, and so this is a, a really great development, and I'll be over there next week to uh, meet with some of the stakeholders on that. So, uh, you know, we're just trying, as you had your great conversations with the folks with Sheridan PD uh, just a little bit ago about uh, those interactions, because it usually is law enforcement or folks in the emergency room uh, at our hospital that are really the first ones that interact with somebody who's having a crisis. Yeah, yeah. And and, and sometimes, uh, you know, it, the training required uh, needs to needs to be something different than than what they've received, uh, and and I'm not uh, you know devaluing what those individuals do because they save lives every single day, and they do their best uh, to make sure that that happens. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on, sir, what are your comments on on how the session as a whole has been going so far? Well, if you look at the the front for counties, you know, we're tracking about 45 bills that in some way are going to impact either how we are asked to deliver county services or have a direct impact on on things that we do. So, you know, actually, I think that from the county commissioner perspective, we're feeling pretty good. There are a couple bills that are giving us some concerns. There's a a pharmacy benefit bill uh, that I know your commissioners in, in Sheridan County uh, are concerned about because the cost certainly it is going to impact Johnson County as well. So we're watching that and, and trying to work uh, the bill in a way that uh, it doesn't add additional costs to the taxpayers. So there's that. Certainly there's a lot of discussion about all of the federal dollars uh, and how those are going to get pushed out across the state uh, and utilized to fix aging infrastructure and address some of the uh, issues that we have in the state. And so um, we're really appreciative of the work of Senator Kinski on the Appropriations Committee uh, in making sure that those dollars can flow back to the municipalities and the counties in a way that we can utilize those and, and really make impact for people. Um, you know, obviously a couple of bills that we're watching really closely. First is the redistricting bill. Uh, and my hat's off to Senator Beitman and his work yesterday to uh, – move the map of Representative Crago's district back in so it includes Arveda and Claremont. Uh, the difference uh, with what Representative Crago did on the House side was that uh, that was a, a 62-member House, 31-member Senate. Uh, Senator Beitman's amendment shifted it back to the current makeup of 30 senators and 60 representatives with Representative Crago's district drawn the way it uh, was envisioned by the working group that involved the Johnson and Sheridan County clerks and, and interested parties. So that was uh, just a, a great move. It passed overwhelming. Uh, so it'll be on third reading today. And so we're trying to help him hold the votes uh, 
and keep that coalition that he built to get that passed. Uh, and then we'll see what the conference committee does because you have big differences between the two maps. But we're hopeful that in the House pass map, Representative Crago's district uh, included Arveda and Claremont. And in the Senate map that we hope that we get passed today, it would include Arveda Claremont. So a lot going on there. Um, and I'm talking a lot. So any questions? <laughs> no, go ahead, sir. Absolutely. Basically, you have covered my first three questions right out of the gate. So that is fantastic. I'm just going to let you go, sir. Uh, you know, the other bill that uh, we were able to uh, get passed out of the Senate Transportation Committee last night, this is a bill that's already cleared the House, uh, is ensuring that uh, the pastoral nature of, of the Wyoming Veterans Home in Buffalo, as well as the Veterans Cemetery in Casper, that those state-owned lands around those can only be used for grazing and that there can be no mineral production. So that bill is moving uh, right along. It has um, three readings to get through in the Senate, and then hopefully we'll get that on the governor's desk and, and we'll be able to make sure uh, that the veterans up there, and especially at our skilled nursing facility that is scheduled to open uh, this July, uh, again, all contingent on them being able to get all the fixtures and everything they need given the supply chain. But um, just keeping that campus uh, the way it is now, which is an absolutely gorgeous place for veterans. And we've got veterans there that are um, in their 20s and 30s up to a veteran that's 100. And so uh, we want that tranquil nature and, and certainly around that veteran cemetery in Casper that um, – that we honor those veterans for their service to the country uh, as they lay in peace and, and, and their families are able to visit them uh, at that place as well. And and I can say as a veteran from us, uh, we greatly appreciate that. Um, noise is an issue, uh, and and many of my brothers and sisters in arms deal with this every day. Uh, sir, another big bill. House Bill 89, this bill essentially adds language that gives the Oil and Gas Commission authority to take action on mineral producers who are failing to keep up with their tax payments. Has this bill faced opposition uh, down there from what you can see from any oil and gas companies? Well, Floyd, I am really happy to report that working with our friends in industry, uh, they have actually endorsed this bill. Oh, and wow. uh, if, you li if you listen to testimony from whether it's the Mining Association or the Petroleum Association, they just want everybody to be good actors and pay their taxes. Uh, and so you've actually lowered that threshold down uh, to about 30000 where we would be able to start to initiate action. So, uh, you know, we're headed into the Senate now and, and – uh, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to get that through there. We've got uh, Senator Perkins is one of the co-sponsors on that, and so he'll help shepherd that through. Uh, certainly Senator Kinsky also is going to be a big supporter of that, so uh, we're optimistic. It's it's a good, reasonable, common-sense bill. You know, if you are uh, an oil and gas company and you're a good actor and you're paying your taxes and, and the competitor – that's on the next well pad over isn't uh, that puts them at, a, at an advantage because they have additional capital uh, that isn't even their capital. It, it's money that belongs to the schools, to the hospital, to the 
rural health care district that runs the ambulance. Uh, so this is just a, a solid step. It's mirroring up what the state of Wyoming can do when companies don't pay their severance taxes. So uh, this isn't unprecedented. Uh, it's just good public policy that if it's good enough for the states, I think it should be good enough for the counties. Absolutely. And and you yourself and, and, your, and Johnson County have endured a, a court battle over this very situation, uh, which uh, that's what inspired the bill, is it not? It, it is. Uh, at this point, we have an operator uh, that has a headquarters in Sheridan that owes Johnson County $32 million. Uh, they owe Sheridan County uh, a sum of money. I can't give you the exact amount. They also owe uh, several million dollars to Campbell County. Uh, and this operator has actually been able to go to the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission and purchase additional assets. So, you know, if they're not paying their tax in the three counties they're working in now, this is a problem that we think could spread around the state uh, because they just choose not to be responsible. And I could just, I just never, <clears throat> I was just always surprised that a company was able to get away with this when Joe Snuffy down the road, you know, uh, it, he's got the IRS on him in two seconds if if something goes wrong with his taxes. And I've never understood how, you know, it, to me it almost seems like a bully system. You're going to go bully somebody uh, privately, you know, when, when, a, when a company can get away with $32 million, for goodness sake. I mean, that is just insane. Now, it, it, go ahead, sir. Well, and what I was just going to add, you know, if you think of, of a small business, if they don't remit their sales tax, the state of Wyoming is going to be all over them. Uh, you know, if, if you're a bar owner and you're not remitting your sales tax, the state's not going to sell you any more liquor. Uh, there are – it's kind of a double standard. But we're just really hopeful, Floyd, that we're going to get this bill passed. Now, sir, uh, we've only got about two minutes left. What else would you like folks to know – from legislature right now? You know, I, I think that what we all need to remember is just how lucky we are in uh, Johnson and Sheridan counties that we have such attentive uh, legislators. Uh, there was a group of 4-Hers from Buffalo down in the Capitol on uh, Monday. Uh, Senator Kinski bought them lunch and, and met with them and, and walked them through the process. Representative Crago had a pizza party with them on uh Sunday night, uh, Speaker Barlow took them into the dome of the Capitol, and they were all able to sign the girders, which there are signatures on those girders going back to when the Capitol was built. So I think we are just so fortunate that we have representatives that are willing to listen to us, to engage us, uh, and to make sure that if folks venture down to Cheyenne, that they get a chance to really access their government. So we are fortunate. You know, we may not always agree with the votes that they they make. But we need to be civil towards these folks. These are dedicated people who are giving up time away from their families, uh, away from their jobs to go down there and represent us. Uh, and so we are lucky that we have some of the best representation in the state. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. We hate unnecessary fees. 
At First Federal Bank and Trust, we offer local cash management services to save you time and money. We're here to help local businesses succeed, not make money from fees. Costs are on the rise, and just like shopping for insurance, your current cash management services could use a review. Contact Kim Wells and learn how First Federal's business products and services benefit you. First Federal Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Today isn't just another ordinary day. It's time for you to make a career change. And your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette would like you to join their team. Owner Larry Storo. Bob, you can earn up to $15 per hour. And even better is that you can work today and get paid tomorrow. We'll help you improve your career potential with benefits that include health insurance, paid vacation, tuition assistance, flexible scheduling, food discounts, and more. Apply in person today at your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Alpha Graphics is expanding. We recently acquired Sheridan Printing and have moved our shop to a new, larger location. We're now located at 2266 North Main, next door to the Social Security office. Our office is open while construction is in progress. Or, if you'd rather, you can contact us by calling 674-6227 or online at alphagraphicsheridan.com. We look forward to working with all of you in 2022. Some of the best things about business are the connections you make. Whether you're working with people down the block, across the state, or on the other side of the country, Range can help keep your connections strong. I'm Gabe Reese, your Range Business Solutions Specialist. I'm here to make sure your business has the network, service, internet, phone system, and video monitoring you need. With Range, you're connected to the best. One company, one network, all for one reason. You. Range.net. Sheridan High School students present Disney's The Little Mermaid. Based on one of Hans Christian Andersen's most beloved stories and the classical animated film, Disney's The Little Mermaid is a hauntingly beautiful love story for the ages. With music by eight-time Academy Award winner Alan Menken, lyrics by Howard Ashman and Glenn Slater, and a compelling book by Doug Wright, this fishy fable will capture your heart with its irresistible songs, including Under the Sea, Kiss the Girl, and Part of Your World. Performances will be March 4th at 7.15 with a Saturday, yes, Saturday, matinee on March 5th at 2.15 p.m. in the Sue Henry Theater for the Performing Arts at Sheridan High School. Tickets will be on sale starting February 14th. Contact the Wyo Theater box office at 307-672-9084 or at www.wyotheater.com. Tickets are $11 in advance and $11 at the door. This price does not include a ticketing fee. Special thanks to our sponsors and supporters, Sheridan Media and the... From Jill Bates and the Best Team Studio, News Talk 930, KR. ROE Sheridan.